Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, August 25th, 2023. Today, former President Donald Trump is expected to self-surrender at the Rice Street Jail in Fulton County pursuant to racketeering charges. DA Fonnie Willis accepts Kenneth Cheesebro's motion for a speedy trial, and the court grants it, in part. Trump supporters think a pro-Trump rally planned outside the Atlanta jail is an FBI deep state setup. Donald makes a change to his Georgia legal team ahead of his booking. The Trump-era DEA is being investigated for hiring agents who failed lie detector tests. And there was a GOP primary debate hardly worth mentioning. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. I'm solo again today because I had some more travel things going on, uh, unplanned happenings. So I do apologize. Dana will be back with us on Monday, uh, I promise. Uh, but uh, it's just me today. Also. Um, we are just a couple of hours away as I record this from the former president self-surrendering at Rice Street. We're all basically just kind of waiting for this mugshot, right? And the height and weight and 
And you can watch at Mueller, she wrote, on Twitter and threads for that information as soon as it's available. And of course, Pete and I will discuss on the bonus episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45 for patrons this weekend, along with we'll talk about it on the main episode that comes out next Wednesday. But this is kind of what we're all sort of sitting around waiting for. Uh, He has made some thinly veiled calls for his supporters to come out uh, while he is there. And uh, we're going to go over this in a little bit, but some of them don't believe that uh, it's real, um, which is interesting. It kind of reminds me of when, you know, back uh, during uh, during lockdown, when Donald Trump was like, mail-in voting is terrible. You shouldn't mail-in vote. You shouldn't send your vote in the mail. And uh, Republicans are like, don't say that, man. You can't. Please don't. Please don't say that. You know, don't disparage mail-in voting. We get a lot of votes from mail-in voting, but they... And then, you know, but then his followers were like, nope, not going to vote, not going to show up, not going to mail it in. It's all a trick. It's all rigged. Uh, It works against him a a lot. And so his, you know, years of calling, you know, agents part of the deep state that were behind January 6th, et cetera, et cetera. It leads to stuff like this when he calls out for, you know, big mobs of people to come to support him. They think it's, you know, a trick. It's a very self-defeating thing. And we'll see what ends up happening tonight. And of course, we'll report on it this weekend. But I think it's going to be much like the the three previous times. I don't think that there's going to be more than, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40 people who show up to support Donald. And the security down there, by the way, is like on high alert. So we not only do we have local officials, muni officials, city officials, we have sheriff, sheriff's department, we've got Uh, the FBI down there, federal agents. So I'm pretty sure, like all hands on deck, I'm pretty sure everything's going to be okay. And, you know, again, hats off to the DOJ. I think we got our 630th guilty plea in the January 6th riots cases uh, this week, or just today. And that, the prosecution of the boots on the ground folks on January 6th, I think is, is acting as quite a deterrent. Uh, for for these calls that he he wanted people to come to New York, he wanted to people people to come to D.C. and they just aren't. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's uh, going to be okay. Also, uh, there was a debate last night. I did watch it, and I feel kind of gross. I had to take like a Gattaca shower after. It wasn't great, and a lot of it is just a lot of the debate that they had is just based on pure lies. You know, uh, Vivek uh, was saying that. Climate change is a hoax. We have to drill, frack, burn coal, and embrace nuclear. I'm cool with the nuclear, you know, to an extent. But it was just, it's like he went out and found right-wing MAGA talking points and just highlighted those. Nikki Haley and and Pence got a couple of good shots in on him, um, but nobody really stood out. Uh, I think I think if if you ask Republicans, they would say that that Vivek stood out. But uh, he's there's no way he's going to win. I mean, Trump is the clear leader uh, of of the GOP, which, according to Judge Liddick, is no longer a political party. And I agree with him. We only have one party right now, and that's why our democracy is in peril. Uh, I tend to think, this is just phil- philosophically speaking, that we're going to see the end of the Republican Party. And what's going to happen is the the Democratic Party will split into a, a moderate um, more fiscally conservative, but socially liberal party. And then we'll have the progressive party. Um, and I think that that's, I think most of the old school Republicans will find their home with the establishment 
new establishment left party. They'll just be fiscally conservative, um, but socially progressive. There, there can't be a major party in this country that is about that, that stands behind fascism. It just that's not how de- how democracy works, or a, or a, a republic, a constitutional republic. If you if you want to split hairs, but anyway. We do have a lot of news to get to. I'll keep an eye on the TV. You keep an eye on social media at Mueller, she wrote, and uh, we'll let you know how that uh, self-surrender goes for Trump. But let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, the latest filings down in Georgia. Yesterday, I told you Kenneth Cheesebro filed a motion for a speedy trial, which is his right, and it allows him to be tried within the current court term or by the end of the next one, about 60, 70 days. Well, Fonnie Willis today called his bluff and said, sure, pal, you don't want March 4th, 2024? All right, Ken, Kenneth, let's do October 23rd of this year. So she filed that to the court, and that's Judge McAfee, brand new baby judge. But she also said, we'll try all 19 defendants on October 23rd. Well, Judge McAfee, again, like I said, very young, brand new trial court judge. I think he's only been on the bench less than a year, maybe six months. But he does have years of experience as a trial lawyer. He granted the October 23rd trial date uh, recommended by Fonnie Willis. Again, that's October of this year, about five months ahead of the original March 4th, 2024 trial date. However, the judge made clear in his ruling that it wouldn't be all 19 defendants, that this schedule only applies to Kenneth Cheesebro. And earlier today, when Fonnie Willis recommended that October date for all 19 defendants, we were all ready. We were girding our loins for the rest of the defendants to file a motion to sever, or at least a lot of them saying, I'm not, I don't want a speedy trial. I'm not going to be ready by October 23rd. But we got this order from the court. And if it holds, I think those motions, uh, any motions that were filed to sever, including from Donald Trump, would be moot. But Fonnie Willis can still file a motion opposing the severance. So I think those will hold and stay until that is resolved. Um We'll see. I, I have a feeling she might file a motion because she wanted all, to do all 19, to try all 19 defendants on October 23rd of this year, at least in her filing she did. So it would stand to reason that if the judge decided to sever Kenneth Cheesebro, that she would file a motion to oppose that severance. I'll keep you posted. Additionally, Mark Meadows was booked at the Fulton County Jail today and his mugshot's been released along with Harrison Floyd. That's one of the co-conspirators in the Ruby Freeman intimidation plot. He's the one that everyone thought was named Harrison Ford, if you remember. I was like, how many people are named Harrison Ford? But his name is actually Harrison Floyd. And again, we're going to go over all of this on the next cleanup on L45 in detail. So like, and also in chronological order, it's going to make a, a lot more sense because all these filings and surrenderings and mugshots are coming kind of all at different times. And it can get quite confusing, but we'll, we'll, we'll straighten it up. We'll clean it up on cleanup. Next up from Ryan Riley at NBC. And if you're not following Ryan Riley, he's got jokes, right? He was like, finally, we can say the Kraken is released on, on bond, release the Kraken on bail. Now he writes, after having basked in conspiracy theories about the January 6th attack on the Capitol, some supporters of the former president are worried that a rally Trump is promoting outside the Fulton County jail in Georgia ahead of his expected surrender in the state election interference case is an FBI setup. The rally promoted by the far-right activist Laura Loomer is expected at 10 a.m. Eastern Thursday. That was uh, earlier today, the day Trump has said he plans to turn himself in. Trump posted a link to a Newsweek article about the rally on his social media platform, True Social, as well as a screenshot of Loomer 
and her post calling on Trump supporters to gather at the jail. On both True Social and Twitter, the Elon Musk-owned platform, conservative users worried that undercover law enforcement officials and Antifa activists were behind it, planning to use it as a setup to arrest Trump supporters. Yeah, no, see, this is the funny thing, that that it would be an FBI setup, right? Like, if you show up as mob and do violence and get arrested, that it was somehow a setup. No, that's just you committing a crime and being arrested for breaking the law. It's bizarre. Quote, watch out for the FBI and Antifa Black Lives Matter to stir up a riot. That's what a social media user with a display named Ultra Maga wrote. Quote, be careful, could be a setup just like January 6th. Just like the supermarket is a is a shoplifting setup. This is another user. Watch out for FBI plants. They can play havoc with your peaceful plans. The social media posts were highlighted by Advanced Democracy, a nonpartisan research organization. January 6th was not, in fact, an FBI setup. More than a thousand Trump supporters have been arrested for their actions during the Capitol riot, including some who conspiracy theorists have suggested were undercover agents bent on entrapping conservatives. In late 2021, on Tucker Carlson's former Fox News show, a right-wing attorney for January 6th defendants told viewers that a man dressed in red face paint and wearing a Keep America Great hat was clearly a law enforcement officer, an agent provocateur, provoking the crowd. The FBI arrested the man, Rally Runner, this month. Runner, a huge Trump supporter and former fan of Carlson, was known to St. Louis Cardinals fans as the man who ran around the stadium. About 1,100 defendants have been charged in connection with the Capitol attack, among them a former FBI supervisory special agent who, federal prosecutors allege, yelled, kill him, as other rioters attacked police officers at the Capitol. That former FBI official, Jared Wise, stopped working at the FBI in 2017. Another FBI employee, Brett Gloss, lost his security clearance because he was, in his personal capacity, present on the restricted grounds of the Capitol on January 6th. The FBI, a very conservative law enforcement organization, missed glaring open source intelligence that suggested there would be violence that day. Quote, what was shocking is that the attack was essentially planned in plain sight on social media. That's Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from Michigan, the chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee. And that was in an interview this year. And he went on to say, and yet it seemed as if our intelligence agencies completely dropped the ball. Shortly after the attack, the top FBI official was warned that many bureau employees were, quote, sympathetic to the Capitol mob. Also, a former guy is expected to shake up his legal team today, just hours ahead of him surrendering to authorities. Uh, Drew Findling is expected to depart. He has filed his motion to withdraw and be replaced by attorney Stephen Sato, or Sato, according to the sources. Sato, who is a well-known attorney in Georgia, will be the lead in the case for Trump. Findling has served as lead attorney for Trump as it relates to the over two-year probe by Fonnie Willis into efforts of Trump and his allies to overturn the election results in 2020 in Georgia. Another attorney, Jennifer Little, is expected to remain and work with Sato. Sources tell ABC News that for now, the rest of Trump's legal teams that are handling cases brought by special counsel Jack Smith and Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg remain intact. Quote, I've been retained to represent President Trump in the Fulton County, Georgia case. The president should never have been indicted. He is innocent of all the charges brought against him. We look forward to the case being dismissed or, if necessary, an unbiased, open-minded jury finding the president not guilty. Prosecutions intended to advance or serve the ambitions and careers of political opponents of the president have no place in our justice system. This is, this is their only defense. 
Now, Trump, as you know, was charged along with 18 others by Fonnie Willis. This is just last week. Seems like a year last year. This is a sweeping racketeering indictment for their alleged efforts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. Trump says his actions were not illegal and that the investigation is politically motivated. Trump, whose bail was set by a judge at $200,000 this, just this past Tuesday, it, like I said, is expected to surrender at the Fulton County Jail for processing tonight. And from Keegan Hamilton at the LA Times, the DEA has allowed dozens of job applicants to become special agents and perform other work despite failing a lie detector test during the hiring process. That's according to a new federal watchdog report, which describes the DEA's polygraph unit as facing pressure to pass legacy candidates related to senior officials. Details of the report issued Wednesday by the DOJ, Office of the Inspector General, were independently verified by the LA Times based on court documents obtained from a whistleblower case filed by a former member of the DEA polygraph unit. Beyond special treatment to friends and family members of DEA agents and officials, the whistleblower said agency bosses ignored admissions of criminal behavior that should have been reported for further investigation, including a case in which a job applicant admitted to pedophiliac tendencies during a polygraph exam. The whistleblower asked not to be identified because of their pending litigation and referred questions to their lawyer. They said they alerted supervisors in 2018 after an applicant discussed pedophilic impulses toward his own daughter and other children, unquote. But they were told there was nothing that could be done and that they would be liable for making an anonymous complaint to local law enforcement or social services. The candidate was not hired and the matter was eventually reported to the DEA's Office of Professional Responsibility, which is responsible for investigating misconduct by employees. A DEA spokesperson said the agency continues to implement the best practices in hiring to ensure that all DEA employees uphold the values of our organization, exemplify integrity, and above all, protect the safety and health of all Americans. Quote, over the past two years, DEA has demonstrated an unwavering commitment to ensuring that all DEA employees are held to the highest standards. DEA has undergone complete leadership changes in the highest positions, updating our hiring policies, and heightening our disciplinary standards. This is the new DEA. This stuff was happening back in 2018, under, you guessed it, Polygraph exams are typically not admissible in court proceedings, but they're standard hiring practice among a lot of federal law enforcement agencies for national security clearances. The tests rely on background information provided by the applicant and interrogation by the examiner who monitors the subject's physiological responses and behavior. In another case described in the Office of Inspector General report, a job applicant at the DEA undergoing a lie detector test in 2017, quote, admitted to engaging in inappropriate behavior while a juvenile with a younger juvenile. The examiner stopped the test, the report said, and yet the DEA's hiring panel was told incorrectly that the applicant passed the polygraph test. That person, according to the report, joined the DEA in 2019 and is currently employed as a special agent. In a letter sent to the DEA administrator Ann Milgram on Tuesday, the Office of the Inspector General said it identified numerous concerns, including the use of loopholes to avoid complying with policy enacted in 2019 that specifically bars the agency from hiring applicants who fail the polygraph or show signs of countermeasures to cheat the test. The OIG said it identified 77 people, nearly all prospective special agents, who were hired after 2019 despite questionable polygraph results. To make the hires, the DEA argued the applications were associated with an older job announcement predating the policy change. Ah, they cheated. Those applicants were required to only complete, not necessarily pass the test. An additional 43 people were hired despite showing red flags 
because uh, the DEA said their exams were conducted before the new rules took effect. A written DEA response included in the federal watchdog report said the DEA no longer hires applicants for certain positions if they have not fully completed a polygraph or received an unfavorable result. The 77 people who were already hired, quote, had no disqualifying admissions during the polygraph exams. Now, Udom Dillon, the former DEA acting administrator who ordered the 2019 polygraph reform, told the Times he was disappointed to learn of the Office of the Inspector General's findings. Quote, one of my eyes priorities was to increase the number of DEA special agents to combat the drug overdose crisis, while at the same time ensuring that these new agents were of the highest quality, character, and integrity. I am disappointed that the high standards I have set have not been adhered to over the past two years. Yes, too. The polygraph report is the latest allegation of questionable conduct by DEA leadership, with Milgram previously facing Office of Inspector General scrutiny for awarding no-bid contracts to hire her past associates and revelations of agent misconduct. The OIG also noted that the DEA allowed local and state law enforcement agents to join federal task force units despite failing the polygraph exam. The DEA said it identified nine task force officers who produced unsuccessful results on their polygraph since hiring standards changed in 2021. Now, this is the new administration. And steps are now in progress to return those officers to their parent agencies. The whistleblower complaint says members of the DEA's polygraph unit undergo 14 weeks of training, thought to be the most difficult and challenging school a federal agent can attend. The polygraph training includes methods of deception, ways examiners can monitor for signs that someone is slowing their breathing or, you know, trying to fight the test. Both the whistleblower complaint and the federal watchdog report describe examiners feeling pressure to pass people suspected of cheating. The report says DEA officials were informed in February of 2023 about instances where employees perceived or experienced pressure related to the polygraph exams of legacy candidates. And again, that's this administration. Our job applicants with relatives of the DEA, later that month, the report said agency officials issued a notice reminding employees to adhere to its guidelines to prevent nepotism. The whistleblower described multiple instances in which they encountered pressure to pass legacy applicants, including the son of a DEA supervisor, the son of a retired DEA agent from the New York Field Division, and a case in which an inspector at the DEA headquarters made continued calls to human resources demanding his son be retested. Kevin Burns, who's an attorney who represents the whistleblower, said the pressure to pass unsuitable candidates was troubling. Quote, when there's pressure from supervisors on behalf of applicants, it threatens the foundation of the entire agency. It goes to the core of how the agency selects agents and processes them. It's critical to gathering information for their suitability for law enforcement positions. I would say so. If that can be influenced or manipulated, he said, you can get people in the agency that lack integrity and the skills necessary to enforce the nation's laws, and that can cascade later on. It's like a butterfly effect. Byrne said his client was among those who reported concerns to the Office of Inspector General that some of those who were unable to pass the test were later accused of misconduct. Quote, many agents who employed countermeasures or failed became issues later on. They're all people who could tell a lie. That's what Byrne said. We'll keep an eye on that for you because it's still ongoing from last administration to this. All right, uh, everybody, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with the good news. If you have good news to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'll be right back. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Everyone, then good news, everyone. 
Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, you want to play what the mutt or what the heck wine, because I can guess horse breeds a little bit better than I can guess dog breeds, um, you could send those in. I'll do cat breeds too, what the cat. Um, send them in to us. And uh, what, what, the frog orgies, baby pictures. Dana loves baby. She'll be back Monday. Send all your baby pictures. Um, and a shout out to loved ones, small businesses in your area, what your business is. I want to know about what you're doing, what you're making, and what you're creating. Anything you want to send to us. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Thomas L. Correction slash clarification. Love all the pods. On this week's cleanup, Pete said there were no federal officers on any of the 9-11 flights. I want to make sure to honor the memory of Rick Guadagno, who was on flight 93 and the only federal law enforcement officer aboard any of the four hijacked flights on 9-11. He was a U.S. Fish and Wildlife refugee manager and law enforcement officer. I know you honor the memory of our first responders and meant no disrespect. I just want to make sure Rick's is known and remembered. Oh, and Vivek can go suck eggs. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. Yeah, I think what we were, because what Vivek said, it was uh, of the two planes who, that crashed into the towers. Uh, but yes, there was a law enforcement officer on Flight 93, and uh, we do remember him and remember him well. Thank you for that correction and clarification, Thomas. Next up from Jim Calkins, he, him, Iowa City. Dear Beans. You are my wake-up podcast unless I listen to the patron release before I go to bed. It informs me and amuses me and ends with lovable pet tax submissions. Here's a photo of my parents, Homer and Ruth Calkins. Mom was a real deer, along with a couple other family pics. In 1981, our parents donated their Iowa farm to serve as an environmental resource. That farm was most of us kids' inheritance, and it has been a perfect one, remaining forever as a living embodiment of our parents' dream. The Calkins Nature Center includes a butterfly house, a Native American and natural history museum that tells the story of the county's ecological and cultural history, day camps, and many educational resources. Check out the link in the show notes, or you can Google Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S, nature area for more information. And it's, uh, let's see, um, hardincountyia.gov slash Calkins dash nature dash area. Again, there'll be a link in the show notes. There's the deer. Oh, look at this. Oh, is that a... What kind of bird is that? That's a beautiful little bird. Oh, look at these babies. So wonderful. What a great legacy, Jim. How amazing. If I'm in Iowa, I'm going to definitely look this up. Thank you so much for the submission. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns they and them. A bit of good news. My cats, Mary and Pippin, turned one year old at the end of July, and their veterinary checkup was perfect. As the vet instructed, I fully transitioned them to adult food. Mary is a svelte 12 and a half pounds, while Pippin is a stocky 13 and a half pounds. They are as delightful and exasperating as ever, climbing into various appliances and bolting out the door to scope out the hall. Mary has also taken to putting a gentle paw on me to get my attention. I love that. And Pippin has become what a friend calls a nurse cat napping on my sore right wrist. Um, I can't pronounce what that is. Tenosynovitis, Dequervain's tenosynovitis with surgery, likely in my future. Um, Their new collective noun is the gents. I call mine the suits, (laughs) which seemed quite apropos for a couple of tuxy boys. Yeah, anonymous. I've got a tuxy brother and sister and I call them the suits for pet tax. Uh, I uh, include solo pictures of each of the gentlemen as well as a shot of them sharing a chair. In the solo portraits, Mary is about to leap off his favorite tall bookcase, and Pippin looks particularly mischievous, 
Thanks again for all your hard work. I also listen to Clean Up and Jack, though. I can't quite swing patronage for all the shows. Maybe someday. Don't sweat it, Anonymous. Look at the gents. Oh, yeah. Oh, so cute. They remind me of my tuxies, too. Oh, I like the little white mustache. That's so fantastic. What a couple of beautiful babies. Thank you for sharing so much. Love these. Next up from Alan, pronouns he and him. Longtime listener, first time good newser. I enjoy listening to the many different podcasts you have a hand in, so thanks for all you do. After being unexpectedly let go from my longtime employment about a year ago, my wife and I made the plunge to take our collective hobbies and try to sell the art that we had until then crafted for the joy of it. We were both deeply geeky and decided to name our fledgling company Geek Forged Crafts. That's fantastic. We've made many baby steps since then with our handmade wood and resin art to local farmers markets and annual events, as well as hosting a modest online presence. Specifically, I wanted to shout out my wife, Erica, and just say how thankful I am for how hard she works and for all the things she does to make our lives and the lives of those around her better and brighter. For pod pet tax, I've included a photo of Harley Quinn and Ellie, short for Elephant, our Great Dane sisters, one year apart. One year apart? Oh my goodness. Well, looks like uh, the little one's going to get a lot bigger. Look at these beautiful babies. Thank you for sharing. And that's awesome. If you want to send in, you know, the information about this business and where you sell the crafts, please do, Alan. And thanks for the shout out to your loved one. Next up, Evan, pronouns he and him. Hello, Laguma ladies. I wanted to help fill up the good news meter with a shout out to my wonderful partner of 10 years, Annie. They're an out trans educator teaching freshman high school English. They're also a teacher union rep, GSA advisor, and grad student three semesters into their master's degree in education. Holy smokes. During the first week of school, three separate students felt safe enough to make Annie the first person those students came out to. For all the struggles of life, I'm so proud for all they do to make the world a more accepting place. Oh, wonderful. Pushing through hell to be our authentic selves has always been worth it, especially when creating a safe space for students who more than likely don't have that safety at home. Attached are the pet tax pictures of our two void kitties, Kala, the round boy, and Matza, the flat boy. <laughs> they regularly provide all the joy, snuggles, and chaos we can handle. Thanks for bringing the indictments and other good news into my ears in Music Shitty, Tennessee. And P.S., the Nashville mayoral election is going to a runoff with early voting starting Friday, August 25th. That's today, everybody. An election day on September 14th. So take everybody with you. Look at these void babies. <laughs> there is, there is a svelte when there's a long boy and there's a potot. That's amazing. Oh, this art's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, thank you for the shout out. Everybody, thank you for your good news and your pod pet tax. I really, really appreciate it. Um, we're going to have a great weekend. It's going to be interesting. Follow me at Muller She Wrote on threads and over on Twitter. Yes, I still call it Twitter. We'll get that mugshot out to you uh, as soon as it happens. Actually, you're not going to hear this until after I've already done that. But if you want to see it and you haven't seen it yet, that's where you can see it. <laughs> Time travel is so weird these days, you know? Just can't get it straight in my head. Uh, but I'll be back Monday with Dana in your ears. Of course, we'll have Jack on Sunday and we'll have the cleanup and beans bonus for patrons this weekend. Thank you all so much for everything. I'm so, so excited to be part of this community. I cannot wait to continue to bring you the accountability and justice news after having to bring 
the horrible shit show lullaby that has been going on for the past five years. So here we go. Buckle up. It's only going to get better from here. Until Monday, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you, Nashville. Bring someone with you. Early voting starts today. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th or get it ad free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.